From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. You know, I'd like to tell everyone it's going to be a really exciting week and make sure you don't miss the Fed, but uh, I can't do it. I, I think it's going to be kind of more of what we've been hearing from the Fed. They're just going to be a little bit slower to raise rates when they eventually see inflation down the road, and that's probably several years away. So the Fed is, and, and the ECB uh, and Bank of Japan, all meeting this week. It's going to get a lot of headlines, uh, but frankly, we don't expect any uh, real change of direction from the Fed or frankly, out of the, any of the other central banks uh, at these meetings. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here and up in Boston, Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff, we were just talking before we hit record. I guess it's a rough one for your fantasy teams this weekend so far. Yeah, so far, uh, looks like the the research league. I'm, I'm going to go 0-1, uh, but a lot of games uh, still uh, left to be played. In this uh, house, we're more focused on the start of school. Today is... Uh, <laughs> day one of remote learning and so far so good. Yeah, well, that's true. And again, we, we noticed a couple minor hiccups with Zoom. We mentioned, I guess it was probably three weeks ago, maybe four, where Zoom was totally down. That's what we used to help record this podcast. And there are a couple little minor issues. So I think Zoom is getting blasted by a lot of people jumping uh, back into school virtually today as well. But fingers crossed we get through this podcast without any technical technical issues. I guess, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, it's week one and obviously lots of fans, NFL teams won or lost. And I guess you could say there's a long way to go. Um, at the same time, I think, you know, as a Cincinnati Bengals fan, we literally had a touchdown in the end zone with two seconds to or six seconds to go, wiped away from what I would call a phantom offense or uh, um, offensive pass interference. But I'm also jaded by that. And then sure enough, our kicker misses like a 30 yarder cramps up, run, runs off the field, can't even walk anymore. And it was just a uh, welcome to Cincinnati Joe Burrow is all I can say <laughs> to that one. Now, that, so that was expected, right? I mean, it just, as a Bengal fan, you just expect this terrible things like that to happen to you consistently after the way things have gone since Mike Brown took over the team 30 years ago. The other thing, though, I saw Harry Dent was in the news, Jeff. Now, Harry Dent, uh, you know, He's always talking about the end of the world. He said there's about an 80 or 90% drop coming soon. Media gravitate to that and talk about it. That's not at all our, at all our base case, but some things just keep up. Some things just, you know, they keep happening, right? Uh, Bengals keep screwing up, and then Harry, Harry Dent continues to talk about some bad things that are happening. Reminded me of this quote, though, by William Arthur Ward. He says, the pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects it to change. The realist adjusts the sales. I'd like to think, you know, as a sports fan, maybe we like to complain a little bit, but here at LPL Research and on this Market Signals podcast, we we adjust the sales, which is what we're going to talk about. A couple different, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, the three big things we want to focus on, and who knows where else we go in this conversation. We're going to talk about the continuation of the pullback that started, and we actually upped our equity uh, target for the S&P 500. We're going to get into that. The idea, we're going to talk about the economy and the idea of kind of a K-shaped recovery uh, has some parts of the economy doing well and some parts are really, really struggling. And then we're going to end it with uh, some little bit of election talk, kind of some of the signals that we're seeing. And honestly, uh, yes, we all know what the polls are saying every day. He says Joe Biden has got a pretty, fairly comfortable lead in some, some cases. But I think what we're seeing when you look at some of the market signals that are out there, I think it's probably closer to a coin flip. So, Jeff, let's get to the first one. The pullback continues. We talked about how um, September is historically a rough month. Um, 
you know, historically October can be also a, a weak month ahead of the election or ahead of an election. And that's exactly what we saw. We had a really stretched market. Those large caps just continue, large cap tech names, I should say, had a, had a rough week last week and a rough week two weeks ago. And as the time we're recording this on Monday morning, they are having a, an oversold bounce. Um, you know, what, what's your? T- we'll get to the target stuff in a second, Jeff. But just kind of the market in general, the pullback we've seen. What What's your take on what you're what we're seeing here the last couple of weeks? Yeah, we've been ahead of ourselves, I think, for a little bit, and we're just taking a little bit of the the froth out. You know, a lot of people are asking what drove the pullback, and you know, some people are talking about just tech names, you know, needing uh, to take a little bit of a breather, and that certainly makes sense. Uh, some are pointing to volatility in the options market or extreme positioning. Uh, some are pointing to the fact that it looks like uh, they may not get a stimulus package done in Washington. We'll have to see. We still think there's probably a better than 50-50 chance something gets done. Uh, but you know, there potentially was a little disappointment there. And there are some other reasons, but really we think this is just sort of the natural uh, market pattern that you see volatility ahead of elections, especially when you've seen uh, such strong gains. It was natural to pull back, you know, five, six, seven percent. Maybe it goes a little more, uh, but uh, uh, this is really just normal volatility, we would say. Yeah, especially when you consider, you know, the record five-month win streak, uh, up 60% off the lows in the S&P, up significantly more in some of the large cap names, NASDAQ 100 and um, NASDAQ in general. So, you know, one thing, I mean, we've talked about market sentiment before, and it did feel like we're getting a little too optimistic, right? I mean, at least specifically on these large tech names, like you mentioned, you know, options market, keeping this very simple and high level calls or bullish bets um, on, on, on a stock to continue to go higher. And I'm going to read, hopefully I read this correctly uh, from Jason Gepford at cinnamon trader, just uh, to really put it in perspective. I saw this over the weekend, just how, over the top, it felt like a lot of people were feeling about these technology names, which are doing great. And the fundamentals are still really good. But still, you get everyone on one side of the boat, you can get the rock. According to Jason's data, he said 62% of all option premiums on calls were traded on less than 10 contracts. And again, keeping this simple, you only trade in less than 10 contracts, you're probably a small trader, right? Just somebody who's kind of having some fun with it and doing it at bigger institutions, use a lot more. So a lot of small lot trades were going on calls by 62% of all option premiums on calls. Now the average, according to Jason's 34%. And, you know, so in other words, this is extremely high, one of the highest levels that we've ever seen. And the week ending 9420, according to Jason's data, small traders made 11 and a half billion dollars of trades this way, which was the highest he's ever seen for one week. And that was nine times the weekly average we saw last year. To put it in perspective, US, um, the U.S. spent $91 billion on lotto tickets all of last year. And in just one week, and I'm not calling option trades lotto tickets, but I am saying with some of these people, probably some of these people were viewing it that way, you had $11.5 billion in just one week. And again, when you see that with some of the optimism is out there, I think a pullback made a lot, a lot of sense. Um, so Jeff, you know, the next chart, we are sharing this now on YouTube. So you can go to the LPL Research YouTube channel. You can see Jeff and I actually sharing some charts. Our weekly market commentary, which we just uh, shared, um, has this chart. I'll let you talk about it right now. But it's the idea that this pullback is kind of happening. 
it, we were due for one. And we kind of said on this podcast for, you know, maybe almost a month and a half or so, we thought we'd pull back would come. Now it's happening. But it looks like it's maybe kind of in line with some previous pullbacks after bull markets. You want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, Ryan, and it's certainly not uh, not happening today as we're recording this on Monday. We got a really strong start to the trading day. Uh, so, you know, five six months into some of these major uh, rebounds off of bear market lows, we tend to see a pullback about this time. So, uh, you see here we've got the um, the rebound off of the financial crisis lows in two thousand and nine. We've got the rebound in the uh, eighty two to eighty seven bull market. Uh, certainly really strong. Both of these, of course, coming off of recessions. And uh, you tend to see pullbacks somewhere in the neighborhood of 7 to 10% uh, right about this time. So it, it's almost like um, the stock market here was following this uh, and um, got the memo and uh, has, has pulled back here a little bit. No, absolutely. Now, I know we, we're going to talk about the economy a little bit more in the next segment, but I think one of the reasons we're going to discuss now is LPL Research upped our target on the S&P 500. And in our weekly market commentary, I've got it right in front of me. Uh, we titled it The Bull Case for Stocks. And Jeff, I'm going to let you talk about it in a second, because obviously you helped put this together. Uh, but the bottom line, at least my opinion, is you know we were kind of waiting for a little bit of a pullback to upgrade or up, or uh, I guess, yeah, upgrade our um, fair value target on the S&P 500. Now that we've gotten some of the pullback, that's why we thought it made sense to do exactly, um, exactly that. Um, Jeff, you know, you want to talk a little bit about kind of where our new target is on the S&P and kind of why we made that decision? And again, focusing, I guess, on the idea we're going to talk about the economy in a little bit, but you know, we can dig into some of the uh, cliff note versions right now. Yeah, I'll go high level through. Uh, we've got five reasons. So, you know, in our mid-year outlook uh, for 2020, which we just released a couple months ago, uh, we had a 3,300 target on the S&P, and we're already over that. Uh, but we also had a bull case scenario of 3,450. And we're maybe 110, 120 points below that right now. We're actually tracking to the bull case, uh, it appears. So essentially what we've done is just made the bull case our base case and raised our year-end fair value target on the S&P to 3450 to 3500. So a little upside, not huge, <clears throat> but a little bit of upside. Um, and here are the five reasons uh, that we've done this. Number one, we're getting the pandemic under control Certainly a lot of work left to be done, but we're making good progress. Uh, number two, the economic recovery is continuing. It's pretty solid, certainly stronger than we expected. Uh, number three, earnings estimates are rising. They rose during earnings season. They've continued to go uh, a little bit higher here recently, which is great to see. Uh, number four, we expect the winners to carry us. Uh, the Winner is largely tech and internet. It's about 40% of the market. Fundamentals are very, very strong. Uh, and uh, we certainly expect that strength to continue. Uh, and then lastly, um, this is Ryan's favorite, being kind of a technicals chart guy. Momentum breeds momentum. Yep. So uh, when you tend, when you see strong gains over a period of five months, right? We've got a five month win streak. You tend to see additional gains after that, consistent with an early stage bull market, which is what we think we're in, and an early uh, cycle economic recovery. So there are the five um, reasons to support 
uh, our decision. And certainly, um, just to wrap up this piece, Ryan, you know, a lot of people think stocks are expensive. We would agree that valuations are a little on the high side, but with interest rates where they are, we still think valuations are reasonable, and we think bonds uh, probably uh, have a hard time keeping up with stocks over the next year. Uh, good, good, good points there. Just a couple high-level takeaways. I'm adding to kind of reasons to still be bullish here. I think, you know, stock like Caterpillar. Again, this is not a recommendation on the stock of Caterpillar, but just be aware, Caterpillar is breaking out to two-year highs. It's hard to think the global economy would be, you know, just falling right into a recession when you see something like that. Also, railroads have been really strong in the U.S. and they've honestly been strong for several months now on a relative strength basis, kind of breaking out the new high. So railroads and Caterpillar have been strong. And you look at something like copper. I mean, copper's had a really strong move as well. Dr. Copper, so goes copper, goes the global economy. Not sure if it's quite that simple. I think maybe semiconductors maybe matter a little bit more in this new age that we're seeing, uh, which semis are really strong as we speak right now, actually. Um, so there's some definite things that are the positives, I think, under the surface. Um, the, let's see. So Jeff, kind of building a positive under the surface, Maybe let's let's uh, shift gears now. So again, check out this week's weekly market commentary, like Jeff said. And you did mention that five-month win streak. And I talked about this last week, actually, but it's important to remember it or remind people of this. 26 times, 26 other times, we've had a five-month win streak on the S&P. This was the 27th, going back to World War II. One year later, the S&P is higher 25 out of 26 times. And the only time it was down, it was down like less than a percent a year later. So momentum has a funny way of begetting momentum. And I think that's something to um, be very, very aware of. So Jeff, let's talk about the economy now. You know, there are pockets of the economy that are strong and pockets of the economy that really aren't. The idea of a K-shaped recovery is something that we're kind of kicking around a little bit here at LPL. I mean, research, we definitely think the recession is likely over. But again, there are parts that are just really struggling. And the two that I want to focus on, Jeff, then I'll, I'll bring it to you. I saw last week, Dave, Dave and Busters uh, said that revenue was down 85% in the second quarter. Simply put, people are not going to Dave and Busters to eat food and play video games um, you know, in this type of a world. Yet you saw Amazon said they're going to hire 33,000 people at an annual salary of $150,000 a year. I mean, that is the two extremes. And the sad truth to this is, yes, we think a vaccine is coming. We think the economy is going to open more, back up more. But the services area, things like Dave & Buster's and airplanes and hotels and, and, and some of those, those types of more you know, events where you're around a lot of other people, uh, you know, concerts, I guess, is the word I might want to be using there, and, and live sporting events, um, which are starting, obviously, but to have a full stadium with 70,000 people, uh, we're probably a ways away. We just had our, you know, LPL Focus, which is our big annual event, and we talked about it recently, where it's virtual now, and you know, we're kind of wondering, even if, you know, things are under control next year, are we truly going to get six or 7,000 people next year? Yeah, honest truth is probably not. I mean, Jeff, you know, you want to talk a little more about the K-shaped K recovery, maybe what it is and kind of some things you're seeing there? Yeah, Ryan, we we weren't talking about uh, a K when we were debating the the W versus the U right. versus the V and, and all of that, uh, or the really pessimistic one, the L. You know, the, the top part of the K, the strong recovery, that makes sense. You know, the tech names, the um, digital economy, certainly – uh, very, very strong, and that's probably not going to change anytime soon. The bottom half of the K, sure, right now, uh, maybe that's fair. Uh, the areas that you mentioned, you know, travel-related, you know, areas that are going to have a tougher time with social distancing, 
certainly those areas are struggling, uh, no doubt. But um, we could be uh, just a few months away from a vaccine. And, you know, based on the, the will of the people to get out there, uh, get out of their houses and do stuff, uh, you know, 2021, even for those areas, if we get a, a vaccine, could be pretty good. So uh, maybe the bottom half of that K, uh, you know, turns higher and, and makes uh, a U here before long. No, good points there. I mean, it's just, you know, clearly the economy, we think, again, is out of the recession. But there are some areas that are going to take a while. We talked before about why it's going to take potentially years for the economy to kind of get back to where it was. Um, And that's the way we see it. You know, also, you know, small businesses have a really good track record, probably a better track record just about anybody uh, for how the potential future economy is going to be. And small businesses, according to some data last week, and according to their hiring intentions, actually is very similar levels, maybe a tad higher than we had back in February. So again, that's over the next six months or so. So you have to think that's a really positive sign um, from what small businesses are saying. Also, LEI, that's kind of the leading economic indicators. What we're seeing there globally, big time recovery in China and even globally, the global LEI, the last four months has moved higher. That tends to be kind of a recession ender, if you will. So those are all some big pauses. Jeff, one thing you said, though, that caught my attention was kind of the idea of where we are uh, currently. Is this a a new recovery? Is this an old recovery? Um, Mike Santoli over at CNBC wrote this over the weekend. I thought it was great. He talked about how the current backdrop combines early cycle and late cycle. Think about early cycle. You got earnings really coming back from extremely depressed levels. You've got a huge snapback in, in manufacturing. That's early cycle. Now, some late cycle things we're seeing are just the incredible risk appetite that we're seeing for a lot of these big high tech names and, and large cap names. Also, valuations also, according to Mike, and I tend to agree, might potentially um, side a little bit more with late cycle. Then you lay on top of that a super easy monetary condition, which is not going anywhere anytime soon. Where do you side? I mean, I think I know where you side. Are we more early cycle, late cycle, maybe in the middle, you know, just like porridge, make it right down the middle? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's... It, Feels pretty Goldilocks uh, to yeah. me. I, I would say it's early cycle given economic conditions and given the behavior of the market off of the March lows, which has really been con- pretty consistent with historical uh, moves off of major bear lows. Right. But I, I also understand, I think, the point Mike's trying to make, which is, you know, tech never really had a downturn, right? Or tech broadly, including e commerce and digital media. So, Certainly, it feels late cycle there, uh, perhaps, but the majority of S&P 500 companies, the majority of the economy, uh, we would say, is uh, is still early cycle here, and we've got a lot of runway. I mean, you know, unemployment still over 8%, which is, uh, you know, about as bad as it gets uh, post-rate depression. Right, no, exactly. I want to talk about what's on the screen for a second, then we're going to talk about the election and finish things up. You know, the NASDAQ just had a 10% correction in only three days. So if you watch this on YouTube, you can see that's the all-time record. Previous fastest was six days from all-time high to down 10% back in February of this year. So 2020, just making records all over the place and a lot of records we don't want to have, but it's happening. So what happened next, though? We took a look, and again, in this week's weekly market commentary, we shared this. Historically speaking, a year later, after some of the fastest moves ever from an all-time high to a correction, down 10% on the NASDAQ, the six, well, so, so six months later, six months later, up 
0.6% on average, and a year later of nearly 27% average, median even higher. The one caveat is March 2003, we saw, I'm sorry, March 2000. March 2000, we saw something like that, and a year later, S&P was down close to 60%. But all the other times, some really, I'm sorry, not S&P, apologies, NASDAQ. The NASDAQ was up 60%, because that's what we're focusing on. So 12 months later, you tend to see continued strength out of the NASDAQ, and obviously the NASDAQ's strong. You to think probably the rest of the stock market, for the most part, would be strong as well. So this is kind of one more bullet point uh, potential reason that we indeed just did um, upgrade our fair value target on the S&P 500. So Jeff, I know we've only got a couple minutes to go. Um, you know, we'll talk about the election. We're going to try and talk about the election more, obviously, every single week coming into the election. Um, but the slide that we're showing now is what we've talked about before, the idea that if stocks start to weaken here and now right ahead of the election, that's historically what you tend to see um, for the incumbent party to lose. If stocks are strengthening from here until the election, that's what you tend to see when the incumbent party wins. So we're clearly not there yet. We got a ways to go to the election, uh, but just be aware of kind of how that's happening. Now, Jeff, two other things I wanted to talk about. One favors Joe Biden and one favors President Trump. Um, and this is, you know, maybe I'll just take the Joe Biden one. You can take the Trump one. I just made that off the top of my head. But um, nonetheless, if you look at Joe Biden, you know, one thing that favors is President Trump's Gallup approval weight rating is only 42% right now. And according to the data that we look at, that comes out to maybe a 48 or 49% of the two-party vote. So, you know, that's that's kind of obviously it favors potentially Biden. And there is some, some caveats there. You know, obviously New York and California in all likelihood are going to go to Joe Biden, and that potentially can be skewing the numbers. But I think it still suggests probably a much closer election um, than, than a lot of people want to give it credit for. Now, the only two... Well, the other two presidents who had a lower approval rating were Bush one and Carter. Um, you know, they were in like 36, 37% Gallup approval ratings. And obviously both times they had well under 50% of the two party vote and both of them lost. The highest ever we had was uh, Johnson, Reagan, Nixon. All of them had very, very high approval ratings and they took over anywhere from 60 to 65% of the two party vote winning comfortably. So Jeff, the other one though, that potentially favors President Trump is higher income. People make more money, they might feel better. Um, tell me a little bit about this and maybe why, again, it's not quite as clear cut this time around though. Yeah, it fits the, uh, it's the economy stupid uh, yep, narrative, exactly. no, no doubt, right? Um, you put people, put money in people's pockets and um, and they like that and they give the support. Um, this is, um, you know, we say right on the slide here for those who are watching, real per capita disposable income. If people have more money, uh, in essentially October than they did in January, they tend to feel good about the economy and that tends to get the incumbent uh, more votes. Um, the, um, the, the chart shows that, right? But the, the clarifying point here that's really important is that stimulus is boosting incomes, right? We've had a lot of income replacement uh, from the, uh, you know, from supplemental unemployment insurance and other programs that have been part of the CARES Act and the other stimulus packages. So Trump's looking really, really good based on the um, based on the income numbers. But you know, you know, we hate to say this time's different, but maybe you have to discount that a little bit because it's sort of an artificial uh, boost that is um, you know certainly unlikely to continue as the stimulus fades. Uh, exactly. I mean, we're, you know, we're talking about real per capita disposable income growth from January to October of an election year. And sure enough, Bush one and Carter had less than 1% um, 
real per capita disposal income growth over those periods, and both of them lost, obviously, re-elections, whereas you had Bush two, Clinton, President Obama, Reagan, Johnson, Nixon, all saw um, you know more uh, income growth heading into their re-election years, and they obviously all won their re-elections. So uh, we're going to talk a lot more about things like that, but you can go to lplresearch.com. We did on Friday and on Monday. By the time you listen to this, the, the blog should be live, but we're sharing some of our favorite um, election charts, and you can go to lplresearch.com to see that. Jeff, we're, go, we're kind of right at the end of the line. It's a very busy week from central bank point of view. What are you kind of looking for this week uh, that can really move markets and investors should be watching out for? Yeah, I'd like to tell everyone it's going to be a really exciting week and make sure you don't miss the Fed. But uh, I can't do it. I, I think it's going to be kind of more of what we've been hearing from the Fed. They're just going to be a little bit slower to raise rates when they eventually see inflation down the road. And that's probably several years away. So the Fed is and, and the ECB uh, and Bank of Japan all meeting this week. It's going to get a lot of headlines. Uh, but frankly, we don't expect uh, any uh, real change of direction from the Fed uh, or frankly, out of the, any of the other central banks uh, at these meetings. Yeah, exactly. Thursday is obviously a big day for two reasons, I guess. The first one is the initial claims data. Obviously, we're watching that stuff very closely. Secondly, my, I was going to say beloved. That's probably a strong word because I hate them all the time. But my Bengals, my Bengals are playing Thursday night football against the Brownies. Um, the Battle of Ohio to see who can go 0-2 within like four or five days of the season starting. Um, so we'll see. Then your season's over, right? We talk about percentages. We'll maybe dust that off for then. But I know the percentage chances of making the playoffs, you start 0-2, are not very good. So we'll see how that goes. As an Ohio boy living in the middle of SEC country, who knows, by the time you all hear this, Big Ten might be playing some football. I mean, Jeff, you're a, you're a Northwestern guy, right? That's your football team, right? That is, yes. Yeah. So I'm watching the yeah. Big Ten news. Uh, yeah. They're uh, warming up to the idea, it, it seems. Oh. It seems like it, although two Ohio State players have declared for the draft in the last couple of days, so they don't see I guess they're kind of moving on. But nonetheless, we'll see. Uh, so anyway, so with that, maybe everybody gets to play some football soon enough. So everyone, thanks for being here this week at the LPL Market Signals podcast. Thanks, Jeff, as always, for joining. Um, everybody have a great week. We're in the middle of September. There's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about next week when we come back, talking about probably Fed and central banks next week. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's kind of boring. Maybe we won't talk too much about that stuff. Like I said, not too much going to happen, but there's always something happening and we'll be here to talk about it so thanks everyone for your continued listenership and we'll see you next week take care this Bye-bye. material was provided by lpl financial it is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual there is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes investing involves risks including possible loss of principal any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial are registered investment advisor and broker dealer member finra and sipc insurance products are offered through lpl or its licensed affiliates to the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an lpl affiliate 
Please note, LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.